It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Carr looking downfield. Devontae's wide open at the two. Grabs it. Touchdown, Raiders. The defender had fallen down, and Devontae Adams has his second touchdown grab of the half. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. Delayed hand up to Jacobs. Huge hole up the middle, 10. Cuts right side, 5. Touchdown, Jacobs. The hat trick in the end zone. His third rushing touchdown of the day. This is, this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. The aftermath of the Raiders' win in the 206 of Seattle. What a victory. What a win for the Silver and Black. Welcome into the show. This will be a two-day celebration, a two-day part one and part two, as we get through two days of this win and how I believe this win will help the Raiders get to where they eventually want to be. That's how big I'm going with this. No guarantees. I don't predict games. I can't tell you who they're going to win or who they're going to lose to. I can just run a fast-paced radio show. But when they win and a bunch of things come together, which we've told you about for months, we need two days to talk about the greatest single achievement, one of the greatest single achievements in Raiders history for an individual player in Josh Jacobs. Going back to the birth of the Raiders in 1960, all the way to the move, to Las Vegas, that single-game performance by Josh Jacobs will go down in the annals of Raiders history as one of the top performances in regular season history. I know the difference between the regular season and the postseason and the Super Bowl. I know all of that. Regular season, I don't know if you'll ever, ever see anything like that again, especially in an era where the running backs are not being used anymore because the game is a video game to throw the ball around 50 times a game to see a running back catch the ball, run with the ball, play through injury, and play that hard and have a walk-off like that, I don't know if you'll ever see that again. You have to put this into perspective in Raider history and Raider lore, what just happened with Josh Jacobs. Let's go to the final call up in Seattle. Jason Horowitz, Lincoln Kennedy, here's how it sounded. Down to five on the play clock. Gets the snap. Hands off to Jacobs. Stutters to the right. Burst through the hole. 20. 25-30. He's off to the races here in Seattle. Nobody's going to catch him. 25-20. 10. Ball game. Bye-bye, Josh. 86 yards in overtime to walk it off for a second straight week. Touchdown, Raiders. Victory, Las Vegas. I have nothing to say. Oh, it's just an ISO lead. It's a beautiful run. You called it right up the middle. Oh, my goodness. Let's go home. (laughs) Boom. Great call. Great call by the gentleman in the booth. Which was was an incredible day. We were at the M Resort Spawn Casino for the post-game show. I got a video out there of that. You know, everybody's in the Raiders Tavern and Grill. It was packed, standing room only. We're outside there. It goes off. I had my son with me. He was excited. It, It was just a great day yesterday. It was fantastic to see the Raiders win this day. Haven't won in Seattle since 1998, the year your boy JT was hired by the Raiders. Dating back to 1998, my rookie season with the Silver and Black, first win in Seattle, and that needed to happen, by the way, because that place was a house of horrors for the Raiders. They don't play there often, but preseason a lot. Every time you go in there, they're getting beat. 
So the new regime had to stop that. Very important they were able to do it. I told you all week on this broadcast that they beat Seattle because I thought we'd get to Geno. I told you, remember, Geno, who's playing well, in consideration for the comeback player of the year, in consideration for the MVP. If you look at everything, Brady's having a down year. Who's having a good year? Josh Allen isn't having a great year. You, you look at the play of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is terrible this year. Geno was in consideration for the MVP of the league, and Mad Max got him. And they were able to get him to turn the football over and not to play. He was just rattled. What I liked about this, the only thing we had a leg to stand on was to say, if they're going to win, they got to rattle that career backup, that career backup quarterback. He's a career backup, and his career as a backup stinked. So I gave him as much respect as I could because of the stats, but Derek Carr can't lose to a player like that. I mean, you can't let that happen. The Raiders already lost to Andy Dalton this year. You know, Trevor Lawrence is a number one pick overall. you got to beat Andy Dalton. you got to beat a guy like Geno Smith. I mean, that's just basics. Raider fans know that, and the Raiders were able to win the game. The refereeing was really bizarre. I thought the Raiders got some breaks in their favor late. They, some mysterious guy came on the field from the Seattle sidelines after an interception. That game was weird. It was weird. A lot of young kids now say, my kids will say, Dad, that game, this game's getting drunk. This game's getting drunk, Dad. Well, that game was drunk all day yesterday. First play of the game is an interception from Carr. First play of the game, what happened there? Did Devontae? That's a scripted play to open up the game. That's their best play. They open up the game with a passing play, and they weren't on the same page. I said, oh, no. How could you not be on the same page the first play of the game? Did Devontae know the ball was coming? Where was it? And they score instantly to start off the game, and it could have been an avalanche of downhill negativity, bringing me to the second point today as we open up the show. There is no negativity with this team. It's based on false propaganda from people outside the building. I'm in the building. I'm not in the locker room every day. I'm not sitting up in the football meetings, but everybody was saying and people doing radio shows, what a mess there. Josh, you know, uh, Josh McDaniels is on the hot seat. No, he's not. He was never on the hot seat as in never with the capital N. And Mark Davis made that clear as Mark Davis came there in full support. And another thing that I said on the postgame show yesterday, I demand, I demand that some people call this show and get off that coach's ass and give this coach credit for what he did yesterday. From the play calling in overtime against Denver to what this team was able to do with their game plan with Josh Jacobs, you cannot be inconsistent on this show. Do what you want on the other shows. You can't be a howling mess calling for a coach's job, rightfully so, if you don't like the plan and you don't like the record, and then when the coach is doing a good job, disappear from me. Disappear from me. Last day, last night on the postgame show, people called in. Yeah, man, let's give this guy some credit. Treat this coach with respect. Treat him with respect is all I ask. You don't have to like him. I'm not saying he's got to be your coach for your whole life here. But treat him with respect. He has the same position that John Madden, Tom Flores, Art Shells had, John Gruden, Rich Basaccia. Just treat the guy with respect. That's all I ask. People with emojis and clowns and all this. It's disrespectful coming from inside the Raider Nation. There are a lot of people who are flexing on Twitter and flexing when there's a press conference and they're typing away on Facebook. Okay, we can't change you if you're that type of troll. If you're that type of person that's going to do that and you're going to do it all the time and you think you're the loudest guy in the room, then, then get lost. 
on days like this when the coach deserves some credit because he's going to get that credit on this show. He's going to get the respect and the tough questions and what's going on here and explain your plan and tell us what happened in that game. I'm not saying this is perfect. I never expected it to be perfect because I knew the plan and how much roster of this roster had to be taken apart in season and what they have to do here. And I think we've done a good job on this show, like Vinny Bonsignor has been able to do, and others, Q, who's in every bleep and press conference, explaining to you the listeners who are our proud partners here what the plan is. The plan is, and if you're not with the plan, I'm not here to change your mind. All I'm saying is respect the plan or get off. Get off the train so when the bandwagon has a couple of wins or the team turns it around, and if it doesn't work out, a year or two from now, you can call the show up and say you were right. But, man, there's been just a lot of fist fighting on Twitter and just negativity around where the team played with heart and soul. The only point I'm trying to make, there's just one, and I know I'm rambling, is that this team is together. The team is tight. They play for each other, the coach, the GM, and the owner. You have to see that. Now you can talk about execution all day long. He drops the ball, the the middle of the field. By the way, the middle of the field is a disaster. The middle of the field on defense. You like that? You think, you think I'm a homer? The middle of the field is a disaster on defense. And that will be fixed. That will be fixed, easily be fixed, because they just got to get better players who are smarter and understand down and distance and know how to cover. And that'll be changed, and that's going to take a while. There were some really high, bad draft picks in this organization. Okay, Mike Mayock got a couple of good players to come in. And a couple of good players, it wasn't his fault. Mike Mayock drafted guys he thought would be good. First-round picks, it didn't work out. So we don't say that Mike Mayock's a bad guy and we don't like him and blank, blank. He's a good guy. They swung and missed on some first-round picks. Now they got to find out how to get the guys to come in here in the future that will help build the basis of the foundation of this team. As Dave Ziegler said, we got great Dave Ziegler sound today. He was on with Mike Silver on his podcast up in the Bay Area. Again, talking to Mike Silver about his plan and what they're trying to get to. So the team played well the last two games. They could have lost both of them. They could have lost in overtime in Denver. They could have lost overtime in Seattle. Easily could have lost in Seattle in overtime there. But they made some plays. They won the game. Imagine what the show would sound like today if the Raiders lost at Denver and at Seattle, which they could have because they were both overtime games. Hey, the ball's starting to bounce their way. They're starting to get a little bit of help. They're playing themselves into games. They're hanging in together. They're playing hard, man. They are playing hard. Every Raider team that I can recall plays hard. Phil Villapiano is going to join us here in a minute. How great is that? Every team plays hard. But this team, there's something special about it because there are some guys who are not playing for whatever reason, wink, wink, and can't get on the field, wink, wink. And the, the rest of these guys are like, if you can't get on the field, we're going to win the game. We can't wait for you to get out of the tub. We can't wait for you and your private masseuse to get you ready. We got a game tonight. We got to play. You can't play. You haven't been able to play. We have to play. We're professional football players. This organization will find more of those players because Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels demand that. As I told you, with Gruden, Basaccia, all the coaches before, they all have different philosophies. Some like free agents, some like the draft. Some like this player or that. These guys have a different grading system that you and I are not accustomed to. 
because we're not professional GMs and head coaches. They evaluate players differently than the prior regimes. And they do it from a successful place where they win championships. So they're trying to instill that with their scouts and their player personnel. They're trying to get that in here, and it's been bumpy as hell because they had all these six. They had six one-score games that if the ball goes the other way, we should be sitting here today talking about the Raiders with six wins. We all know that. We should be talking about the Raiders with six wins because of Arizona and Jacksonville. And they, they, they didn't put themselves in that position. They are what their record is, and they don't have a very good record. But there is a little bit of light right here heading into the Charger game and then the Rams after that. I told you we do not talk playoffs on this show with the team that's significantly under 500. But there is a window, as I told you with my conversation with Fred Bolitnikoff last week, get to the Charger game. Get to the Charger game. And now we have a game, at least on Sunday, where I could go in live from the torch and say, we need you on this one. Let's stand up in the third and fourth quarter on third down. Let's get this game. And then you look at the Charger game, which the Raiders are pretty good. You know, Justin Herbert's very good. I call him elite. He's elite. That, you know, those guys are always hurt. The Chargers win weird, man. The Chargers win weird. They fumble it. Then the other team fumbles it. They recover it. They hit the goalpost on the kick. They win. I don't know how the Chargers have this many wins. I really don't. There's like three games they should have lost that they won. And they happen to go for it for a two-point conversion because Boy Blunder, their head coach, really believes he's going to get fired. And I got to give him a little bit of credit. I got to give Boy Blunder credit. He went for two. He went for two against Arizona. If he doesn't get that score, though, that two-point conversion, the heat on him would be tremendous, and they win. Kansas City, no one's going to catch them. But the Raiders have a little bit of mojo, and they have Josh Jacobs. So for the next two shows from noon to two, I want to spend that on Josh Jacobs. And I'm working on some special stuff here if I can pull it off. And I think I'm just a guy who can pull it off. We're going to try with, with Josh Jacobs' performance. I want you to call today if you can and you have the time, and I appreciate it, on where you put that in Raiders history in any single game. Going back in the history of the Raiders, where do you put that regular season? Let's leave out, the, let's leave out Marcus Allen and the Super Bowl and the MVP. But put up that with any game you remember, from Tyrone Wheatley to Bo Jackson to Clem Daniels, to any game that you remember you were alive for with a Raider game. Because this is a moment for this kid. This kid did not have his 50-year option picked up. I supported that. And Dave Ziegler, we have sound on this coming up. Dave, they had to evaluate the player. Josh did not have a good year last year. They did not know the player. They did not pick up his option at the running back position. Now this kid has outperformed his contract, and that changes everything. And as I said, I don't get involved with players' money. He deserves to get a big contract with the Raiders or another team. He played his ass into that situation. He did something yesterday that will go down in Raider history. Marv Hubbard, the great players who have ever played individual regular season games, this guy put a franchise on his back where he couldn't practice at one point, he was a game-time decision, and ran his ass off for all those Raider fans who showed up in Seattle. And I talked to a radio host today who said it was about 45% Raider fans at the end of the game in that building. I'm fired up, and I get to talk to Phil Villapiano, one of the all-time greats. Foo joins us. How's that, Foo? You ready? Let's get this going. Uh, AJT, that was unbelievable. You're going back 
too. You said Clem Daniels. You said Marv Hubbard. You said Clarence Davis. You said everybody. I happened to, I, I just fell in love with Josh yesterday. I knew, I mean, I've been watching him all this season. He's a different player this year. Maybe he's not injured. I don't know what was going on last year, but he is running with a passion and running over people. Did you see how many missed tackles in the fourth quarter yesterday? JT, they didn't even want to go near his legs. He was running right through them. And you know what? Good runners like he is, it gets it's infectious. It's kind of like uh, our kid from uh, Tennessee a couple years ago. He, nobody could stop him. I don't think anybody could stop Josh right now. And I don't think anybody could stop our big defensive end. Holy mackerel, what a pass rush at the end of the game was yesterday. He took that offensive lineman and smushed him right into the court. Oh, hey, Foo, hey, Foo, you, you, Foo, you played at that level. Well, let's spend some time with Mad Max because you played with all the great legends and you were one of them. The, the, the Hendricks comparison, look, I'm not going to put Max in any category this early in his career, but I will put him in the category of Hendricks with his motor. I have the right to do that. He, his motor and what he does on the first snap into overtime is the greatness yep. of the Raiders and what this guy's able to do. He's, he's from your era. He never stops. He never gives up. Uh, I love him. I love, uh, I love Max Crosby and everything he does is Raider. And I know it's infectious. I know our number one pick from Clemson is watching him. And I think all of a sudden we're going to get some play out of him. I know we're going to get Welsh at number 55, that big monster on the other side that we brought in here. I know Max is going to rub off on all those guys. We, JT, I'm cons- I, I think this team resembles the 1980 Raiders that, and, and then they got it going. And then, my God, they went all the way and took apart the Eagles in the uh, Superdome. I got a feeling this Raider team, if it's not too late, we gave away so many close ones, like you were saying on you know a little bit ago. We gave how how uh, San Diego or San Diego, the Chargers are winning these goofy ones. We were giving them away. I hope it's not too late. I don't think it is. If we win them all, it's not too late. Yeah, and, and also, Derek Carr smiled yesterday. I loved it, and I loved it, and I was a little worried after that opening play. Yeah, but, uh, Phil, um, I, I think I think the Raiders played the best game they played in ten years yesterday. I loved it. Phil Villabiano. Phil, finally, the coach. Look, I, I think the coach on sports radio that is. You know, gets heat when they lose. That doesn't change in the NBA, MLB, whatever it is. Coaches are on the hot seat right. when they're not winning. But I really believe that Josh McDaniel's plan and how he tried to and how he doesn't the, the locker rooms together. You see these victory celebrations are the best in sports the last couple of weeks. The guys yep. are together in the facility and on game day. They just got off to a really slow start. Are you starting to yep. see what you wanted to see from this coach with the play calling, some of the trick plays, some of the explosive plays with Devontae? I mean, we got arguably the best offensive weapon in all of football in Devontae Adams. Uh, I, I think we do. And, uh, and, and, and and don't forget Josh now. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my God. And don't forget Carr, too. I think we've got the people. 
I liked what our offensive line did yesterday. They didn't let anybody in that fourth quarter near Derek Carr, which is key. He likes to take his time back there. I wish he would be a little quicker, but he's not. But if if he's taking his time, it's going to put a little pressure on the offensive line. And they responded. I loved the offensive line. I loved our receivers yesterday. I loved our runners. Every and the play call, and let's give Josh some credit where it's due. Yep. And in the last couple of weeks, he's been coming up with these crazy plays, and they're working because I think we've we've lulled our uh, defensive coaches into boredom with this offense so far up until now. Because now we could throw something at them, and it works. All right, so when are you coming out here? When are we going to get our significant others together, celebrate the holidays, get, get into the Christmas holiday? When's your next Raider home game on your, on your very busy calendar out west? My, my next Raider home game can't be soon enough, and it's this weekend, J.D. Yes! I cannot wait for this weekend, and I can't. I, you know, I, I want to tell you, and everybody on your show can hear this, and I really, really wanted to have John Gruden join me for this game. And I asked him, Coach, I want you to join me for a game this year. Who would it be? You know what he said? He goes, I hate the Chargers. Now, I want everybody that's listening to your show to hate the Chargers as much as I hate them, as much as John Gruden hates them. Let's have a hate Charger week and then go in and kick their butts out of the stadium. Get them out of town. Pop Let's that again. <laughs> All right, Foo. Good to hear from you. Thank you, my I'll friend. I'll see I'll... you on the weekend, JT. I'm going to see you in the Caesars Suite this weekend. Thank Good. You. I will be there. Thank you, Foo. Thank you. I will come to the Caesars Suite with a bucket of Modellos. Thanks for the call. Phil Villapiano checking in. I got to make sure Phil knows because I have a show on satellite radio. Well, you can say anything. And then I have a terrestrial radio show. So when I have a beverage with Foo over the weekend, thank you, Phil, uh, we'll make that clear. He's fired up. I mean, this guy is literally, literally fired up. And Phil hates the Chargers. You know, I, I don't really take the Chargers that seriously. I like the Chargers a lot in San Diego. Not as a fan, but I lived in San Diego for eight years. And I used to love going to Qualcomm and the tailgates there are legendary. I mean, I was at San Diego and for some tailgates where they, the black hole and the L.A. fans, especially the L.A. Raider fans who listen, and we thank them for that, just to see of humanity. I'm talking tailgates that had like three, 4,000 people, and there were six of them going on there. So the Chargers don't travel well. They don't have a lot of fans, but they're good. You know, they're, they're often injured when they play the Raiders, but this quarterback is very good. This quarterback is elite. He's that good. Okay, he is. And if they don't clean up, and it's a great segue to Chris in West Oakland, who normally starts us off, Chris. If they don't clean up the middle of the field from 10 to 20 yards over the middle, can you imagine what Herbert's eyes are going to look like when he, when he changes the play at the line of scrimmage? Herbert's coming to town, Chris, and the Chargers. Yeah, Herbert's done a pretty good job chewing up uh, the Raiders over the years. They've got to clean the middle of the field up. But first off, let me say this, JT. 
There is no X Raider I enjoy listening more to than Phil Villapiano. I'm enjoying the fact that I'm on hold. I can hear the two S bombs that you probably bleeped out going out over the air. This guy is the definition of pride, poise, and passion of the silver and black. Gonna not quite go there about the 1980 Raiders. They started out two and three, not two and seven. They didn't dig themselves that deep a hole. But there's nobody better to listen to than Phil Villapiano. Uh, I'm going to break down the game a little more tomorrow since we're going to do this two days. i got to get into practice here. But what I wanted to talk about was the two things the most yesterday. The credit I want to give Josh McDaniels is this. I question a couple of the play calls, some of the decisions. Three timeouts, 45 seconds left to one of the best kickers in the league. I wasn't a fan of sitting on the ball. But the one thing Josh McDaniels deserves the credit for that I questioned the most three weeks ago was how this team was going to play out the string. He's clearly got them still in fighting mode. Nobody's mailed it in. That's the stuff that you look for in the head coach. He's showing to me these last two weeks that he's a leader and he's getting these guys to play. And I'm with you, JT. I will never talk playoffs. It's going to take 10 wins in the AFC, and that might not get it in, and the Raiders have to run the table. I don't know that that's possible. But what's possible? Win one more game next week. We beat the Chargers. We got a chance to breathe another day. That's what the focus should be on. But I want to talk about Josh Jacobs. Look, JT, I went to every single home game from 1972 until they left. I've seen all the great performances. Yesterday was right there with the Bo Jackson game in the Kingdom and the Napoleon Kaufman game against the Denver Broncos in 97 when there was about a minute and a half left. And instead, on third and 12, I was screaming when they handed the ball off because they were going to give the ball back to Elway, and Kaufman broke a tackle and went 86 yards to seal the game. I had a flashback of that yesterday. Josh uh, Jacobs, I understand why the Raiders didn't give him the money so far. And up to this, I, I was on him this year. He's been a solid back. Silva Lipiano said he doesn't know what's different. Well, I'll tell you what's different, and this is not unique to any player. It's a contract year. I understand why these guys need long-term money and, and security, but I wish these guys would all get one-year deals because all the little nagging injuries and questionable injuries that used to keep these guys out in a contract year, they show up and play. I never questioned Josh Jacobs' heart. I never thought he had the breakaway ability, but what he did yesterday in the regular season was right there with anything that Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, or Napoleon Kaufman ever did. He's playing with heart. Like a true warrior, I hope the Raiders give this kid his money. He deserves it because with, with what's gone on this season, the fact that he's still strapping it up and playing his ass off the way he did, he deserves every single cent he can get. What a day it was yesterday. Um, you're right, JT, about that being a house of horrors. Even when the Raiders were in the same division as the Seahawks and were an elite team, they always struggled to win in Seattle. It was nice to see them get a big road win. It was nice to see Raider Nation take over that place yesterday. And you know what? On to the Chargers. Don't care about the Rams. Don't care about the Chiefs down the road. Let's take care of the Chargers next week. Then we get to live one more week. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, a couple of big things before we're running a little late here. How's that to a start of a show? I had nothing to do with it. That's Phil Villapiano, Chris in West Oakland, diehard Raider fans who listen on the flagship. A couple of things that are great about this weekend. First off, holiday season. We're into December. Raiders haven't been home for a while tailgate should be great and i look at it even different for the raiders to run the table it's close it's going to be almost impossible but i didn't say impossible it's improbable but they things can happen but with this team with that defense and the problems they have with the roster and just not having enough bodies to play defense at a level that you need to run the table it'll be hard 
But why don't we treat this like an elimination game for the Chargers? Because I really believe if the Raiders win this game, it will eliminate the Chargers long-term. Chargers still could get in as a wild card, but if they lose this game, I mean, they're in big trouble with their record there with all the other teams in the AFC and what's happening there. So that's one of the ways I think you might want to look at this is to kind of put a dagger into the Chargers if the Raiders win. You'll look at the Chargers' record and what they got coming up here, and they would almost have to be perfect. If the Raiders win and beat the Chargers, they're one game behind the Chargers for second place in the AFC West with a game against the Rams, and the Rams are really struggling. And again, they could lose to the Chargers and the Rams back-to-back because those teams are good, and they could have great games, but we hope that's not the case. So I like it as really... Beat the Chargers again at Allegiant Stadium. You know what that does to them mentally? I mean, they'd be ruined. After last year, they lost the biggest regular season finale dating back to leather helmets. That's got to be in their head a bit. All right, that was brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m. PTs fuels the monologue. Yeah, I mean, everyone that showed up today, you know, that was loud. Yeah, it was unbelievable. You know, obviously the stadium's loud already, but when we were making plays, you, you know, you know, it was pretty impressive to hear how many of our fans were here, and you know, the support. You know, we had a whole bunch of Raider fans behind our bench after bad plays, like you guys are good, we're gonna win the game, all that kind of stuff. And anytime you're in a hostile place and you hear those things, it always means something. So, um, you know, we appreciated everybody that traveled. And my fan, my friend that sits in the front row, the Seahawks fan, he's yelled at me for nine years now, but I had a good good talk with him too, so it was good. <laughs> Derek Carr, the fans were great there. I got buddies who were there do radio shows up there. They said the Raider Nation confirmed. We'll talk to Jason Horowitz in the middle of the week about that. Christmas vacation is almost here, and it's going to be a good old-fashioned Griswold family Christmas at Raisin Cane's. Fill your front-wheel drive sleigh. We cook to order chicken fingers, garlicly Texas toast, and the craveable cane sauce. Mary Clarkmas from Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. One love. My sons were home for Thanksgiving with all the turkey. We had all the food. They still, they're caniacs. They still went there in the drive-thru. They love it there. Uh, this Josh McDaniels press conference is getting a lot of buzz for a couple of things he said, we'll try to play a piece of that coming up. Also, Mark Anderson's going to join us in about 10 minutes. Marcus Arroyo got fired as the head coach of UNLV today. I don't like that move at all. And I'll tell you why coming up. I don't like the fact just because of COVID. Just because of COVID. In two years he was here, he couldn't recruit. They couldn't go out there. They couldn't meet with the players. They couldn't do anything. It takes time to build relationships. He had the program going in the right direction. Yeah, there was a lull this year. They lost some games. They got off to a good start. But I I don't like this move. I like Coach Arroyo. I think with what he had to deal with with COVID, just in COVID in general, I thought he should have got another year. Should have got another year to be bowl eligible. I do not like this move. I like Coach Arroyo, and I, I know him off the air and on the air, and I really think he deserved an opportunity to have another year. For two years, he didn't get a chance to meet with players and recruit players live and do it. He had to do it over Zoom. Had to do it over Zoom, and I think he was building the contacts around Vegas that takes a while to do. He didn't know anybody here when he got here, and he worked hard to meet people there. So I, I'm really 
I'm not freaking out over this because this is what happens in sports, but I really think he deserved one more year. Reggie in North Las Vegas. Go ahead, Reggie. you got to be pretty excited today. Man, I'm going to do my best not to blow a gasket, bro. Like, I've been trying to call since the game ended. I wanted to get in and talk with you, bro. I missed out on going to Seattle, and I really regret it because that was the game. You know, Seattle used to be one of my I hated them more than anybody. It was Seattle and Denver. And then KC, I, I really didn't have no real hate for them, but now I do. <laughs> but for them to go in there and shut the 12 men up and do it the way they did it, I got to give this one major shout-out. The team did a great job. The O-lines, thank God they worked it out. The defense did what they had to do. But my dude, Jacob Johnson, yeah, with that freaking block he made, oh, my God. I, I put that in slow motion to see it. He put the hit on him. And that's when Josh Jacobs just broke out. And you talking about screaming at the top of your lungs, man. That was awesome. I don't care if they make the playoffs. I'm not sitting here even worried about that because I took that out of my expectations. But if they keep balling like this, this is what will generate the Raider Nation as well as their players to get all in. And uh, Josh, man, if he get his paper, he, he earned it. He earned it. And like like I heard uh, Fool say, I wish they would play like this when they get the contract. Be yeah. just as good when you get it. But either way, let's keep doing it, man. I will see you this weekend. Shout out to my guy, Fabian. He came through for me also for the UNLV game. So I'll see y'all yeah. next week, man. Raider Nation, stand up. Raiders. Yeah, I'll see a lot of people this week. I'm going to the USC game, right, Utah. I want to float myself into that Pac-12 championship game to see Caleb Williams in USC. Is that we got? You think we would have that if we had, if we didn't have football stadium in Vegas? And the vision of Mark Davis with the stadium and what's happening here. We got USC, Utah. USC still needing to win to keep that seed. What a weekend we got coming up here. Just an incredible weekend lined up in Vegas. I hope the weather stays like this the rest of the week. It's just a beautiful day. Jared in Vegas on 920. Thanks for waiting, Jared. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Uh, just real quick, um, you were calling us out, and I called in after the uh, Saints game that it was uh, an abject failure. I'll I will eat my words. It's not an abject failure. But let's make no mistake. This team was playoffs or bust. Yesterday was fantastic. We put the playoffs to bed because we don't. No, who told you? I didn't think this team wasn't playoff or bust this year. You didn't hear that on this show. They weren't playoff or bust on this show. I expected them to make the playoffs. They've been playoff or bust for this whole fan base. And let's not fake it. You Mm. know what? We were better than the Dolphins. We were better than than the Vikings. Mm. This. This team has started slow. I never asked for Josh's job. I just said this this season is not okay. what, what we Let me expected. ask you this. Well, hold on fair. a second. This is, no, this is a fair debate. I wanted to have this debate. You're the first guy sure. I can have it with. If this same sure. roster came back, and, and I really like Coach Passaccia, but they hired Josh McDaniels. If this entire roster came back, period, entire roster came back, with, without Devontae, because remember, Dave Ziegler then brought in Devontae. So take everyone who was here last year and put them out on the field. You think they win 10 games? So I, I think that they are better than where they're at right now. I don't know that, I don't know that they okay. win 10 games. 
Because I don't think, I'm just telling you, the team that won their last four games last year, not with smoke and mirrors, they fought hard to get in. They had to be perfect down the stretch. I don't think that team. No, I, I agree. I don't think that team would have been as good as the team last year if they didn't make moves. And when they made moves, we said on this show with a brand new scheme, brand new head coach, brand new football operations that they might take a bit of a step back. Here's why. Because of all of the games they won on the last possession. That skews the other way. Talk to gamblers about it. Right. Talk to the NFL. So, I, agreed. This, I, 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 I thought they'd make the playoffs this year. I had them winning 11 games. Uh, they're not going to win 11 games. We know that. But no. the plan the plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock mm-hmm. and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes. And we told you. If you give me one, one last word. I I, I totally agree with what you're saying. The roster had to be turned over, mostly because we had a lot of guys on one-year deals. And this this regime brought in players that I don't think we get. They Mm -hmm. made mistakes. It always happens. But I am not going going to just completely forget about some of the things. The expectations were there. They were high. This is why they wanted this team. They could have they could have sought out other jobs. They wanted this job because it was perceived to be the best. They didn't come in here and start off like we wanted. I'm not mm. taking that away from them. What I'm saying is I'm not going to forget that we had expectations. They mm. weren't exactly met, but it's getting better. And tomorrow, yesterday shows that they haven't quit on this coach, and he's starting to turn it around. And that is progress. And I can't be disappointed with progress. Okay. Good. Thanks for the call. You, you definitely uh, got that right. I appreciate it here. Again, I, I'm not in the business of game predictions. We bring on people to do that. There, this has been, there's a lot going on. There's been a lot going on here in regards to the Raiders. Multiple team presidents, a change in the entire football operations, most of it. A lot of changes. Personnel, guys got paid. Other guys were brought in, free agents. A big move to swing and get Devontae, first, first and second round pick. Not picking up Josh Jacobs, paying for Chandler Jones. It's a business. Business isn't perfect. And the long term, the only thing I've been preaching on this show is the plan that I know from being privy to it behind the scenes. And when I interview these guys is they have a plan to be really good for a long period of time. That's the only thing different here. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. Do you see what Kansas City's doing? And a lot of that has to do with Mahomes. But they got it. Andy Reid never won big games. He couldn't win big games his entire career. They got that program in Kansas City up to a point where they're going to be not good. They're going to be great for 10 years. 10 years. And that's what the Raiders are planning to do with this regime. And it's bumpy. And there are going to be better days ahead. And there might be a step backwards. But the plan is in place. You're either on board with the plan or you're not. And you can figure that out on your own. You don't figure it's going to be any different when they play this team. 
They win it by a score of 27 to 22. And the entire team rushes over to the back of the end zone where the Fremont Cannon is waiting. It's blue tonight, but by the morning, it'll be painted red. Super exciting finish here at Allegiant Stadium with what's been a rough season over the past six weeks. The Rebels find a way in front of the biggest home crowd of the year to get the cannon back, and they'll be painted red. What an exciting scene for this Rebel football team. Regular season, the Rebels break their six-game slide, finishing 5-7, and 3-5 and five in the conference. And for the Wolfpack of UNR, they are 2-10 and 0-8 and and in Mountain West play. And the Cannon is coming back to Las Vegas. Rebels radio on the call, JT. Marcus Arroyo out. I don't agree with the decision, but I don't make the decisions. Jump on in. We're talking about the Raiders. Two-part show today and tomorrow. We'll talk about the Raiders' win and Josh Jacobs' epic performance, one for the ages in the regular season. Mark Anderson joins us from the AP, knows the Rebels as good as anyone. You know, Mark, I'm surprised by this, but I'm not really surprised because I know the AD, this isn't his guys, and that's apparent today. How do you see it? Yeah, you know, you and I have the same reaction. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm always surprised in the timing. Uh, I, I really thought that when they beat uh, Nevada on, on uh, Saturday that that saved Arroyo's job. Um, especially now that they still have a shot at the ball game. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I think Eric Harper is looking at the big picture and, uh, he, yeah, he's, the uh, Royals, not his guy, like you said. And, and he's, and uh, so Harper's looking at, uh, he, you know, if he, if he doesn't believe in him, why go through another year? If he doesn't believe this is the right person and, and just and invest another year when you can go out now and try to get the coach you believe is the right one for the job. And, and you know, with the transfer portal and everything, uh, you can turn around the program quickly now, much more quicker than you could. Um, so I, I get where he's coming from, but, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised at the timing, too. Well, that's interesting because, again, the AD, like a GM, if they want to hire their own guy and the, the guy that they're getting let go of wasn't their guy initially, that happens all the time. So that happens consistently in all sports. I get that, but... He better swing big here because I've been, I've been having you on this show for over a decade. And with these billion-dollar casinos and now NIL and Vegas and the bright lights compared to towns like Pullman and Mississippi State and little schools in, in, in conferences in the Mountain West, I mean, if they can't get a better coach than an Idaho coach or someone who's big that's really recognizable, I'll be disappointed. I've always said this, and again, it's not a lot of disrespect, but someone has to say it. There's a lot of front-running frauds in this town who claim to be boosters of some of these teams, and they don't write a check because I know the people who cash the check, and they don't write checks anymore, and they want to flex their muscles. I'm a booster. I got this guy. I'm going to write this check, and they do not write the checks that they wrote here back in the day when Tark was here and some of the other names like Robinson, who was the coach. So this is a big moment here. I'm expecting a bigger name than Marcus Arroyo and someone who's going to move the needle. Yeah, I've heard the same complaint you have that a lot of people who talk big uh, don't actually put their money where their mouth is. Like, so maybe the next coach will. And I tell you, someone uh, I was I'm at the Raiders headquarters now, and I'll give credit to Adam Hill, uh, the RJ, who, who came up with this name. And I'm putting it in my AP story. I, I think Brian Harson's someone they should take a, mm-hmm. a look at, and, and maybe they already are. Uh, I, I know it was his, his tenure in Auburn was a disaster. I just think it was a poor fit. He he did a great job at Boise. Granted, he was following. He took over a program that Chris Peterson really built up, but he kept he kept it running up there, um, and he, he kept he kept them on a national level. 
So um, I, I think that's some uh, that's someone they should take a close look at. And I do think if they get a Brian Harson, I do think that would create some interest. Because um, I, 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 you know, cause, uh, I think Harson will be a head coach again somewhere. Mark Anderson, as we wrap it up, finally you're at the Raiders facility. Great that you're covering the team from inside. The Josh Jacobs performance was one for the ages. It, it regular season, it's as big as anything that Marcus Allen, Bo Jackson, the legends, Mark Van Egan, all the great Raider running backs, many of those Raider running backs don't get the press that the receivers got in Bolitnikov, Branch, Rice, Tim Brown. There's some good Raider running backs over the decades here that did their job. This Josh Jacobs moment in Seattle is one for the ages. They're going to be talking about it 50 years from now. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, you know, it's it, it's he, he talk about a player putting a team on his back. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, and, and and if you look at the games they won, it's because it's it's when he's played his best. Uh, and and so I, I, it seems like I think you know, they had that stretch in the middle of the season where they went to him, and then they kind of went away from him. And I, I do think a conscious decision was made a couple of weeks ago. We got to go back to Josh Jacobs, and and you see mm-hmm. the difference. And, and and here's a guy who didn't know if he was going to play it until an hour before the game. Um, so yeah. it, it just it's just remarkable. And, and you know, and he talked about putting pressure on, on a team now from a financial standpoint. You know, it's there's going to be a lot of people now want to see Josh Jacobs get get a contract. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I would imagine he'd want to stay here. But, you know, as an impending free agent, there are going to be a lot of teams interested in him. So I would think the Raiders, if they want to keep him, and I don't have any reason to think they wouldn't, would, would, if I'm with them, I would be in touch with the agent, agent now and try to get something done before the end of the season. Thank you, Mark. Always good to hear from you. Thanks for joining us late notice. And thanks for having me on, JT. You take care. You got it, Mark Anderson. So a couple of quick things here. When you get to know someone, I didn't know Marcus Arroyo well, but we were friendly. He walked over from the facility and sat in on my podcast at Virgin Hotels last second. He's in the middle of prepping for a game. He says, I can get there now. Can you fit me in? And hung out. I sat with him and his wife at the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame and got to know him. And I think the guy's a good guy. And did he rub the AD the wrong way? I don't know. I'm not inside the UNLV building. But I said this about other coaches in the past. All these coaches come here with expectations, And Kevin Kruger, I want to leave out of this because I like Kevin a lot, and Lon Kruger is a mentor to me. So Lon Kruger has done so much for my life out here in Vegas, coaches versus cancer. I could never thank him enough. But this football program has had some big problems with stability, and they got a nice facility. The Fertitta Center is nice, and they play at Allegiant Stadium. And I talked to someone today very high up in the program, and now the coach Arroyo has gone, and they have Allegiant Stadium. They have a great facility. They don't have a great campus. It's not, this is not Stanford, okay? This is not Alabama. This is not a place where kids grow up and say, I want to go to UNLV to play football. But they've had good football players over the decades. And these players now, the alumni, are really getting pissed off at all the changes when they thought they had a guy here who was doing the right thing and at least starting to crack it. Problem for Coach Arroyo is they beat a bunch of easy teams early and then they got some injuries, and they couldn't win against the teams. They needed to beat one team out of all those teams that they got beat by. Just one. Doesn't that sound familiar with the Raiders? This is why it's a business. We're sitting here with the Raiders going, man, Arizona, New Orleans, and Jacksonville. Those are the games. And Indianapolis, oh, excuse me, the, the Jeff Saturday game. 
If the Raiders win three out of four of those or split and go two and two in those games, it's a completely different Raiders season when it comes to the postseason. And UNLV got off to that good start, I think, against some really big cupcake opponents that anybody would have beat. And then when it got to the meat of the schedule, they couldn't win a game. And then they had a win at the end here. I would have given them one more season with a lot of pressure on them, a lot of pressure on them to win and to go out and win, but that won't be the case. And we'll wait for the announcement on the new coach. And I wish the program well. But I also wish Marcus Arroyo well. Good guy. And put a lot into this and had to deal with two of his three years during COVID. Come on. Come on. In Vegas with COVID, the way this town was shut down, the way this town was shut down, a coach couldn't get on a plane, go recruit, do anything. And this guy tried. So we wish Marcus Arroyo nothing but the best as we go forward.